0: The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers. And do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
1: Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spawn, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. Webmasterradio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan.
2: Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan, and it's so great to be with you all today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday right here at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. You'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, we're going to be talking green today. In fact, it's a green theme all day today. Um... Finding the Green in Today's Consumers, Sustainability Trends and New Shopper Insights is the title of a really recent study by the Grocery Manufacturers Association, otherwise known as GMA and Deloitte. Now, they teamed up to examine the behavior of consumers related to the purchase of sustainable products. Now, this was a very, very in-depth study, and I'm not going to get into all the details. Um, They studied actually 6,000 6,000 shopper experiences in 11 major retailers, and they were really trying to find out the characteristics of the green shopper, and uh, some of the results I thought were really, well, all of the results were really interesting, but I wanted to just highlight a few for you. Green is emerging as an important brand differentiator. According to the study, it adds recognized social benefits to the value proposition for many shoppers, and it is a frequent tiebreaker. So if you imagine mom going down the aisle, she sees on one side a harsh cleaning product on the other, something that's more mild and and touts itself as green, and they're about the same price, she's going to go with the green product. So, again, it can be a tiebreaker. Uh, green products are most effective when they present a broader value proposition that encompasses multiple purchase drivers. So, again, it's green. It costs less. Maybe the packaging is pretty. It's something she can put down on her countertop. Uh, it makes her feel good. Maybe it um, if you buy it, a portion of the money goes to a cause. All of those things are, are purchase drivers. Now, according to this study uh, by GMA and Deloitte, Shoppers don't understand why a green product should cost more if it's manufactured with less packaging and it was transported less distance. In other words, they're saying, you know what, it should be actually just less expensive at the, on the one end or at least competitively priced. They don't get it. And in general, green characteristics are more important in consumable products like those produced by CPG Industries. So groceries, produce, household cleaning, paper products are all tops when it comes to green choices. Now, the study also found that once someone made the switch to a green product, they were loyal to it. They bought it regularly. I thought that was really interesting. Where marketers lose green sales, according to the study, concerns about product performance, A lot of people don't believe green actually performs as well as the other. They can't find them in-store. Only 47% of those surveyed actually found the products, and they were looking for them. Imagine those people who stumble across it by accident. And a large number of shoppers remain unsure of even what green is. More awareness, education is needed. So very, very interesting. Uh, In-store communications, by the way, marketers out there really do influence green purchasing. So that packaging, the label, the in-store signage, brand advertising, are all identified as top three means of identifying the product as green. Well, in keeping with our theme today, our first profile is the environmentally conscious woman. These are women in their early 20s and early 30s with a moderate income, environmentally conscious, focused on buying organic, and they support green causes. There's about 3.5 million of these women, average age of 34. And they really do uh, recycle. They never buy cosmetics tested on animals. Um, They will pay more, they say environmentally friendly products. They're concerned about social issues and very passionate about social initiatives. They're intellectually curious, and they want to make a statement, and they're very ambitious. At retail, they're shopping at Banana Republic, Calvin Klein, William Sonoma, Liz Claiborne, Ikea, Whole Foods. They're driving Hondas, Toyotas, although maybe not this week, Volkswagens, and uh, cosmetics. They're purchasing Aveda, Avino, and The Body Shop. What are they reading and what are they watching? Well, you can get in front of this eco-woman by uh, either purchasing advertising or getting into content of Vanity Fair, Shape, Self, Real Simple, W and L. And she's on a lot of websites, as you can imagine. MySpace, LinkedIn, Amazon Expedia, Wall Street Journal. USA Today and MySpace. Well, my guests for today certainly do keep up the green theme. In fact, their latest white paper is all about green women. Angela Walsing and Andrea Lernard undertook a research project focusing on undercovering the various levels of green when it comes to female consumerism in space. Specifically, how do self-identifying green moms who are incredibly influential really think about environmental issues? Angela is a partner with the Social Studies Group, a social media research firm that provides analysis social media conversations to help companies better understand their customers, competitors, markets, and industries. And Angela is actually the primary author of the white paper. And if you're a frequent listener of Purse Strings, you'll recognize Andrea Lerner's name. Andrea is a thought leader in the gender insights and marketing to women space, as well as being an author and a blogger her learned on women's site and blog stay on top of trends you're going to want to check it out so stick around more on the green mom echo cosm when purse strings returns in just a moment okay time for something
1: we can all relate to shopping purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers are you tired of standing around while everyone gets rich? Want to be an affiliate marketer that makes six figures online every month? Then let me introduce you to MediaBysCoach.com. MediaBysCoach.com, recently launched by Carl Fiorentino and Will Hamerl will give you the tools and the knowledge that will make you money. They've been training affiliates for over five years now and are experts in their field. If you haven't been approved by a CPA network, then get approved through our own CPA network. If you're new to affiliate marketing or want to expand into other areas, let Carl and Will at MediaBiascoach.com give you the tools to begin and the knowledge to succeed. Sign up and start making money today at MediaByscoach.com. That's MediaBysCoach.com.
0: Use the power of Local Pages with over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings. Let Local Pages Affiliate Network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need. Become a Local Pages Affiliate today with LocalPages.com. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PRWeb and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PRWeb release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PRWeb, the premier online news release and content distribution service.
1: Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Purse Strings is back with the inside track on today's
2: woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan, And welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today are Angela Walsing and Andrea Lernard. These two wonderful women undertook a research project recently that has led to a white paper. And that white paper is titled, The Green Mom Echocosm: A Social Study into Their Motivations, Convictions, and Influence. Ladies, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Uh, so happy to have you both on. And, Angela, before we get started talking about the research findings, you know, for those individuals out there who may not be familiar with the social studies group, can you tell us a
3: little bit about that? Sure. Um, we're a consumer research company that's based in social media um, And what we mean by that is that uh, we do a lot of consumer research, but instead of going and asking consumers directly what they feel about different issues or products or brands, um, we look and read what they've said unsolicited, and we think that gives a much clearer, more accurate picture of what people think and feel about those topics. And so we're doing that for a broad range of companies and helping them with everything from um, developing marketing plans to product development. So it's really exciting.
2: Well, and you have a very, very exciting project to talk about today. But before we get to we that, can. I want to introduce Andrea. And, Andrea, you are no stranger to Purse Strings. I bet we've we've had you on a few times now, and it's always a pleasure. But for folks out there who may not have caught, caught, you know, the past times you were on, can you talk a little bit about your areas of
4: expertise? And there are many. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and it's great to be back. Um Marketing to women and gendered consumer behavior have been my focus for about the past 10 years or so. Um, And then within the past two years, I'd say sustainability has really entered into it. I have been so struck by the similarities in how women buy and how sustainable consumers make these decisions. I think that the sustainable green consumer is really not some hugely new emerging market, but that it builds on the great stuff we already know about how women buy. So that's kind of how my marketing to women and gendered consumer behavior get to sustainability. The other thing that I'm really digging into a lot now, too, is that the organizational change side of things related to integrating sustainability within a company. Um, what I've seen is... I recently published an article i having to post about some research that Catalyst did on how to engage men with gender initiatives and how the same steps to me can really be incorporated in converting conventional business thinking into sustainability initiatives. So there's all sorts of layers of really interesting uh, gender knowledge um, that I've got from my Marketing to Women work that is so easily and and interestingly applied to sustainability. So that's how I ended up here and working with the social studies group.
2: Well, it absolutely is an easy partnership, that's for sure, because as you said, Andrea, your marketing to women expertise certainly played a role in the white paper that you and the social studies group partnered uh, to put out. And again, uh, it's called the Green Mom Echo a social study into their motivations, convictions, and influence. So ladies, why, why did you undertake this particular research at this particular time?
3: Well, I I could start with that. Um I think uh, there are Three big reasons I could say personally. I mean, one is that one personal interest, and um, I mean, I had a little boy about two years ago, and uh, and I, I found myself looking for information because suddenly you start noticing articles, and you're thinking about everything from the plastics that are used, like with the you know if you're going to bottle feed them and everything else, and to um, how you're going to diaper them, and just by my casual reading, and of course, like because I work in this field, where well, you start to notice and think, like, wow, I mean, this is this would be interesting to look at more closely, you know, not just from a personal perspective but at the same time it's interesting because of my own personal situation and then um, another is that like I said with all of the work that we've been doing and and we're constantly um, we we work a lot we've done a lot of work that uh, looks at women's buying patterns and and consumerism and women so um, we saw the two topics overlapping and it was just it was just interesting it was interesting and we thought that it was something that could be of really great use to, uh, to clients that we currently have have and hopefully once that we'll have in the future. And I'll chime in here
4: just because I was really interested in working with the social studies group on this because that's something that I've always seen, which is, both in marketing to women and in the sustainability realm, a lot of the traditional ways of looking at stuff and doing research is let's just look at the numbers, how big are the numbers and look at the numbers and let's talk to people and see what they say and there's a really traditional way of doing research and the fact is is that the way women think and connect is a, is a lot of what you can't really for sure see reflected in numbers and so really just looking at these conversations and, and with the research that the social studies group was able to do brought up some really interesting things that I haven't seen in a lot of places and and so and I think with sustainability it's the same thing you're constantly trying to go okay can we measure? Is this effective? Is you know, what's our market research going to be in these numbers and how many people are doing this and the other thing? When really you got to get like two or three or four layers down and look at all the interconnections and and what's going on there to really get the full picture. So both in terms of marketing to women and sustainability, um, this way of approaching it was fascinating to me. And of course, given sort of my progression from marketing to women into sustainability, the time was a hundred percent right. And I'm really seeing that with a lot of the companies that I'm. I'm connecting with on with now
2: too. Well, and Andrea, you talked about getting a few, you know, several layers down. Angela, with that in mind, how did you approach fielding the study?
3: One thing that we've been doing, and when they, I think that I think that we've, we've um, <laughs> one thing that I'm really proud of that we're doing now is that we're getting really good at at isolating sort of niche. I, I say communities, but niche groups online, because um, you know everyone. It's everyone is looking at tracking their brand and product and whatever in social media, but because so many people are online now, because so many people are talking, it's becoming increasingly important to be able to look at specific groups of people, the ones that are most relevant to you. um, That's how you're going to get the most valuable information. Um, So what we did uh, when we approached this study was, well, we did the same thing that we do with a lot of our other social focal reports, which is sort of um, that's, that's the term that we use for these fo- this focus group kind of research that so we do. That's based in again in social media. But what we did was um, we had there were we had two or three analysts working with us um, in our team, and we started reading, basically, and going and finding with the idea that we wanted to isolate 300, 350 um, mom, green, what we were calling green mom bloggers. And uh, the, the main two criteria were, again, that they were um, self-identified green moms, meaning, meaning that they had some sort of, they, they, were, they had a self-proclaimed sort of interest in um, incorporating um, values that aligned with um, living in a more sustainable way. Um, and so again like they they actually many of them actually just called themselves green moms and then and we looked at their bios to help determine you know whether or not it fit that profile and then the second piece was that we wanted them to have children for the most part children who were living at home and the reason the main reason for that is because we wanted to look at specifically we were interested in looking at um, not just how their um commitment to the environment was impacting the purchasing decisions that they were making in their home and the sort of lifestyle changes that they were making in their homes and and what lifestyle changes that they were making, but also um, how it was influencing the way that they were raising their children, the sort of what sort of values they were trying to pass on and the purchasing decisions that they were making.
2: And based on all of that, all that information you found, you actually took it and kind of found some primary categories of these types of women, didn't you? Can you talk a little bit about the categories you
3: uncovered? We started with the super greens. We had the eco moderates, the mainstream greens, and then we identified a couple trends within those, the ones we, we called the natural parenting, simple living enthusiasts, and the frugal and greens. The super greens were the ones that were basically, they're the ones that are most committed to the cause. They're the ones who are making the most drastic changes in their lives. Everything from, say, not just looking at greener alternatives to cleaning products, but really not using anything commercial at all. And, you know... Cloth diapering their children and a number of things. I mean, I could go through a. There's a really long list, but you know, you can find it in the report. Um, the eco moderates, so they were they were somewhere in the middle, where it was like they were they were looking to reduce consumption, for example, but they weren't going as far as you know. They they were still more open to green consumerism. You had the mainstream greens then, who were less sort of I, I would say less less concerned with really cutting down consumption as much as possible, and instead just making smarter decisions. Smarter decisions being that, you know, is product A safer, cleaner, better than product B? And then the natural parenting and simple living enthusiasts. And then we had the frugal and greens. So those were the main categories that we found.
2: Well, and you you yourself mentioned that you had a baby a couple years ago and this this topic became a, a priority to you. And, and I would say you're, you're very much in line with your own research, it sounds like, because having a baby really does transform a woman's outlook on life and her responsibility to her new child and his or her, her future, it sounds like. Um, I saw that uh, in the report when I was reading through it, Angela, that family consumption becomes a hot topic along really also with kind of the teaching of values and um, and share a bit about this new way of looking at things from that new mom perspective.
3: When we talk about the new way of looking at things, it's basically what we were, you know, we talked amongst ourselves saying that we called it a green lens. And really what that meant, it wasn't that, because you saw a a, a definite distinction between two different sort of like groups of moms, I don't want to say groups of moms, but concerns that women had. I mean, one, you have the ones who are most concerned with how the environment is Impacting their family, and then the other side, you have the ones who are more concerned with how, um, you know, maybe their actions as a whole are affecting the environment. Not that they are not concerned with vice versa, but you definitely see there's a definitely definite sort of group of women where the, the greater concern is how the environment is impacting their children. And so, what that looks like for those women is that it's really. It's 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 they're, they're scrutinizing all of their purchases much more than they were beforehand, um, and maybe it's that you know, like all parents feel, it's like you know, you, you're you're so, so compelled to protect this you know child that you have, this new child, it's a new role, and you feel so overwhelmed with the idea that you know we're we're bombarded with maybe before it was just that you needed to have, for example a car seat installed properly or you need to make sure that electrical outlets were covered, that kind of thing. Well, now, you know, part of what we're... Part of like you know what we're told like through the media, and part of what we're learning is that you know those aren't the only dangers that are in that 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 we need to protect our children from. And so as we learn more, then it's almost as if the more that we find out, then it's the more than the more that you read, and the more that you realize that, that there's more that you need to be aware of, and the more that women become aware of whether it's again whether it's the plastics, whether it's um, whether it's the cotton that the. the, the that the children's clothes are made from, the baby clothes are made of, um, whether it's the uh, chemicals that you're using inside your home, whether or not it's the cleaning agents or whatever. I think the new reality for so many mothers is that these are real dangers, and you know, and and as a parent, then you know, most parents feel that your primary responsibility is to keep your child safe, and now keeping your child safe is part of understanding that you know this this um, the, from a from an from an eco perspective, these are things that you need to be very aware of and on guard for. And I think that that's something that's that that's growing. I mean, you're not seeing that among just a sort of a small subset of women. There were a certain number of bloggers that we looked at. I mentioned earlier that we we looked at say 350 bloggers. We have a handful who are very influential, the whistleblowers, as you uh, called it earlier. Um, and you have those who are basically informing more mainstream moms. And what we're seeing is that even though, like, even though we looked specifically at the green moms, but what we found as a site, which we didn't include in this report, but is interesting to note, is that those conversations were picked up in, you know, hundreds of blogs elsewhere. So even moms who aren't identifying as green, they are starting to incorporate those same values, those same concerns. You know, you mentioned
2: the whistleblowers, Angela, and as I was listening to you respond about this mom and how she very much wants to protect her children, it really starts, though, to become less just about her and her family and more about, you know, alerting other moms, other people to this. Andrea, do you think that... Whistleblowing itself is a big motivator um, among those blogs. Do you feel like women start to say, oh, my gosh, the more i found, the more I want to let others know so they don't make the same mistakes? And it's really becoming an, an empowerment
4: feeling. Oh yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I this isn't a specific, uh, very you know, young children example, but one example that recently happened in social media is on Twitter there was just kind of a minor mention that H and M clothing, uh, H and M company or their clothing retailer, was trashing their clothes instead of recycling them when they were out of season or whatever. You wouldn't believe (laughs) the you know, the to-do that went across Twitter and how that just started a whole force, and the New York Times picked it up, and I swear within two days, H&M had to say, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to change it. Um, and I just think it's, it's that human behavior thing, which is if there are a few women, if women start to see a few women calling out brands or going, you know what, what they're saying about their green stance isn't really true. It's very superficial. When women start to see other women do that, they're like, okay, that's cool. She did it and nothing, you know, nothing bad happened to her. It's, it's, it's really just sort of a human behavior thing, like the more people that take the risk and start to do that, the more momentum is built, and that empowering sense is like, hey, yeah, if she can do it, I can do it, and you better believe this whole topic that you guys have been on about, how having the baby changes everything. Women that have crossed that line and had that baby and are suddenly going, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't care if I was drinking bad water before I had the baby, but now I really do, that also makes them that much more likely to go, hey, wait a second second and call out brands and do what we're calling whistleblowing here i think it's a it's a really cool crucial exciting time and more women the more women do this the more women are going to do it and get really comfortable with it and so it's only going to get to be a bigger concern for brands and so that's part of the reason that research like what we've done here is so important
3: one thing that we ran across many, many times is that there were there were a number of women who, again, like and oftentimes it was triggered with having a child. But they found that they knew, you know, maybe they ran across one piece of information that said, "Oh, you should be aware of X issue as related to maybe it's, it's clothes." I can give an example of how maybe it's whether or not baby clothes that are shipped from China are sprayed with pesticides or whatever. It may be a rumor. Maybe it's something that they've heard, but it's, it's it's enough to make them worry, and it's enough to make them start to dig. And so once they invest this time in digging and finding the information, what, we, what I read, what we read over and over again, was that once they found that, they felt like they were just compelled to share because they felt this is useful information, this is something that I've worked hard to find, and this is something that other people can benefit from knowing.
2: Well, and as you said, uh, more and more women will get out there and do it um, over and over again and and do that whistleblowing. But conversely, I would imagine, too, that they want to reward those companies that are are really doing well when it comes to green and sustainability. And I want to talk more about that when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. And then I want to hear about this list, this list of um, kind of the captains of industry who are getting credit for the green initiatives. So more on that when Purse Strings returns in just a few minutes.
1: Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. First strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers.
0: Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with conversioncredit.com, brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective, sales-producing machines.
2: Anyway, I ask. That's right, ma'am. Anyway, you ask.
1: Let me get this straight. If I wanted your CEO to deliver my check while juggling flaming machetes on the back of an Asian elephant, all I have to do is ask?
2: Correct. With in-demand affiliates, you can tell us exactly how you want your payouts and we
1: will deliver. God, could you hold on for a second? Someone's at the door. Wow, you are not kidding.
2: We are in demand. You can be too. Sign up today at the letter N, demandaffiliates.com.
0: the elite publishers. XY7 Elite is not for everyone, as you need to be accepted and maintain volume requirements. Think you've got what it takes to be elite? Go to www.xy7elite.com or call 702 216 4000. 702 216 4000. This Webmaster Radio.fm program is presented by Affiliate Convention. Affiliate Convention invites you to join us in Denver, June 21st and 22nd. Affiliate Convention, where affiliates are always free. Learn more at AffiliateConvention.com.
1: Her Strings is back with
2: the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I'm joined today by Angela Walsing and Andrea Lerner. These two women have fielded a research project looking at self-identifying green moms who are incredibly influential and in what they really think about environmental issues. Angela is a partner at the Social Studies Group, and Andrea is a thought leader in the gender insights and marketing to women space, author and blogger. And we just had a really good discussion about some of the results of, of, your, um, of your study, your study. And part of what I thought was pretty interesting is that you mentioned the top uh, green companies, some of which seem, I thought, out of place on the list. I was surprised to see some of those companies on the list. Were they surprising to you? And would you put others on that list maybe than the ones that actually appeared? Well,
3: actually, I can say, you know, I, I was, what surprised me most about it was that when we were looking, is you know, particularly when you're looking at the the hardest core, what I call the most committed. We talked about like the greenest of the moms. You would have thought that you know you would never thought that you would have heard anything positive about Walmart from them because Walmart obviously has such a bad reputation, in particular, among this group um, for a number of their practices. But actually what was really shocking was that there was an unbelievable amount of open-mindedness for these new standards, these eco-standards that Walmart is working to develop, And, and we saw that on more than one occasion, and we saw that among the people who were particularly, like, you know, the the real, the thought leaders among this group, that the moms were the most influenced. So, you know, what that tells me is that even though they were making, you know, even though they're... For example, may not be using, again, going to the cleaning products example, um, because that's something that we actually saw blogged about on a number of occasions, but even though they may be using lemon juice or whatever and baking soda to clean, but um, they, they, they did not sort of, um, it was, they saw the greater good of the efforts of larger companies, Walmart included, and what they were trying to do. So um, I think that's very enc- encouraging for companies. And and on that note, we do mention um, at some point in
4: the uh, white paper the idea of this journey. And I think that what's interesting and what we already know about women in general is that they appreciate steps taken toward something. So women are not going to think that a company is going to go green overnight. And so what they're noticing, and probably why Walmart has been as successful as they have, or uh, Clorox Greenworks, one of the brands mentioned in the report, um, is because Yeah, first of all, they're kind of this company that has this big, bad reputation among darker green, you know, more serious green consumers, but you start to see that they're taking a couple of steps. And so what's happening is women realize that their life and sort of their pursuit of more sustainable life practices is a journey. They certainly can't turn green overnight, Um, and so they are allowing for and rewarding steps in that journey process. And so I think that's uh, what's really interesting about that list and sort of start to think about, you know, companies don't have to come out and be all green because a lot of, of uh, people watching or consumers and green mom consumers are going to be skeptical that that's even possible. So it's this journey, and a journey is acceptable in this pursuit of sustainability, and I think that's um, a really crucial thing to understand and to know that, uh, that these green moms are, uh, you know, expecting and acknowledging that.
2: I would imagine that was one of the major takeaways from the research project, Andrea. Were there were there other ones that were that are pretty key for marketers?
4: Yeah, I I thought that kind of. One of the things that was interesting is to you come into sustainable the idea of being a green consumer or the sustainable consuming, and you're just like, wait a second, you know those two things don't actually go in the same sentence. And so I thought part of it, you know, just on the very beginning level was just understanding how women thought about that and what their approach was, and and how they were able to come to terms with that, and if they changed their life, that was acceptable, and, and that was a process that they could get to. So calling someone a green consumer, or sustainable consumer, actually does work, even if right off the bat it seems kind of odd. And then the other thing we actually already talked about, which is that emphasis on, you know, the reason that the green mom eco is so important is because having the baby changes everything, just as we really emphasized earlier in this conversation. It is just like this switch. We go along through our lives, and we grow up, and we know that we, you know, drink too much beer in college, or we haven't really been eating healthily up until we're about 31 and we start to pay attention, but we know that we're sort of a lost cause, you know, and we're as healthy as we're going to be, but exactly what Angela mentioned earlier the, fl- the uh, switch is flicked you have a baby and you're like wait a second oh I can could, I could do all the good things that I know are right um, and really live my values starting from scratch with this new human being and so I think that that's just um, a really motivating uh, part of this. so I, I- I I thought that the the research was so interesting and fascinating to me on so many levels and really gave a lot of insights. Um, One other thing that kind of back to our last conversation a little bit is this idea that perception can be different than reality. So the perception of Walmart is... It's this big old company that is really stuck in old ways and whatever, but sure enough, you just look a teeny bit now. They're getting a lot of publicity. Um, the reality is that they're doing some huge things and really pull, pulling people together and forming partnerships about this and really getting into the value chain of the suppliers and sort of how everything pulls together. Um, and yet, And then there are other companies that are really touting how great they are, and they're doing major, you know, mass market ad campaigns and stuff, but then when you look deeper, the, the reality is not the same. Or there are companies that aren't pitching anything at all, and if you happen to notice, some companies are really doing amazing things. I, just an aside, just recently I heard of an, a report by a company called Map Change, where they really looked at the perception versus the reality and that difference. And, and I think... As those kinds of reports come up and as we really map the perception versus reality, um, that's going to be huge for women. And so I think it, it, it says to me that there's a huge opportunity in figuring out how to communicate the sustainable practices and the sustainable initiatives um, that you're starting to integrate in your brand and, and how you can communicate that to these green mom bloggers in a way that they're going to be more likely to go, hey, this is a really cool thing happening, and spread the word of mouth with their readers.
3: What we read time and again, too, is that even though you have the whole like conflict with green consumerism, these women are absolutely hungry for products that fit with the values that they're trying to live in their lives. So when they find a product, if it's, you know, we, we drew out the example of, for example, um, the lunchbox that has all the reusable pieces inside. They are so enthusiastic, and the word spreads like wildfire. So there is, a, like, again, there is a hunger for products that, that fit this, you know, this, this special set of criteria that they have. So, again, that's another encouraging takeaway.
2: I would imagine that companies really these days don't have a choice but to try to be more environmentally friendly and more sustainable, Andrea. I mean, do you you agree? I mean, do you feel like this is just what we're going to have
4: to do? Um, in corporate so, America is to embrace it or, or, or get trapped. definitely because I, as I mentioned um, earlier, I'm looking at this both from the consumer level but also from kind of the business case for sustainability. Um, I'm doing a lot of research on that lately too. And so what I've seen and there was a recent article in the Harvard Business Review um, by a, like three very famous uh, kind of management and consultant academic types and they were just like, you have no choice, basically. Um, and... The thing is, is that even if emerging consumer expectations, even if you're seeing this and you're going, oh yeah, but you know, those people are only buying that. They're not really buying things in our industry or whatever. Even if that isn't motivation enough for businesses, the thing that I found in studying this, and they call it a triple bottom line concept, it's the people, planet, and profit. So those are the bottom lines that companies really should be starting to head toward now, not just the profit bottom line. What I see happening is once companies realize that energy efficiency or resource efficiency, which is, I believe, part of really the strong part that brought Walmart in. Walmart looked at, you know, how much Uh, fuel they were wasting by routing their trucks in certain ways and having their trucks sit there on for a while, you know, kind of resting for a while. Once they realized that and sort of lighting and all those sorts of resource questions, once they figured out how to become more efficient in that, right away, they were saving tons of money. And and that's just sort of like, oh, wow, we could have been doing that forever. You know, all of a sudden, sustainability, you may start by looking at more of the kind of profits and how we can save some money. And then you get engaged enough and excited enough, I think as business thinkers or business leaders, that you're like, oh, yeah, maybe this also goes hand-in-hand hand with the consumers are looking for this, and isn't this exciting, we can do this whole thing together. So I think I'm looking at the different entry points that businesses take towards, you know, pursuing sustainable practices. And maybe if they're oblivious, and they're probably not, because most people have, you know, big market research budgets, but if they're not... Really tending to the consumer perspective yet, because they're not sure it's really going to be there. And I, it's not a fad or a trend to me. It's a huge cultural movement. But if if the companies haven't seen that yet, they're going to enter into it via this energy resource efficiency angle, and and then that'll draw them into the rest of it. Um, and the other thing that I noticed just overall in this is that you're the smaller entrepreneurial companies, a lot of which are forming around serving green mobs they have an advantage because they are still at a human scale in terms of how they're connecting with their customers. And so they, I feel, almost have the advantage in participating in the social media realm with these moms and really getting kind of down and dirty into relationships with these people before they become some big company with all these layers to get to to make sure that they're doing the right thing for the consumer. So I think another exciting thing about sustainability and sort of green consumerism all working together is that it's the smaller, more entrepreneurial companies that have this real um opportunity in my mind
2: yeah well, it's just we're going to hear more and more about this and what you found in your white paper. Um, there, I'm sure <laughs> there's going to be a follow-up. I can feel it um, as I hear both, uh, Angela, you and Andrea Andrea talk about it. Unfortunately, though, we, we have to wrap it up today. Otherwise, I know we could probably um, talk uh, for the next hour at least about the results of your white paper. Uh, for those people out there who want to learn more about Angela's work and Andrea's work, you can go on to the thesocialstudiesgroup.com. Um, and log on to Learned on Women, L E A R N E D, on women.com, and, uh, and read more about the Social Studies Group and Andrea Learner's work. And um, again, ladies, thanks so much for being on today. Really fascinating work.
4: Thank you. You are so welcome.
2: And thanks to George, my producer, for a very streamlined show today. And next week, join me for a very, very special edition of Purse Strings as we mark our 100th show with a look back at some of the fantastic guests we've had. There have been very, very many of them. It's very hard to squeeze into a half hour, trust me. And the topics we've tackled over the last two and a half years. That's next Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern Time, right here. Until then, make it a great one.